My name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad that you're all here with us today. It's a great group. Um, You know, what we find sometimes is as we come in worship to the Lord, God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? That's what we find in Psalms. And Chris felt like God had put a word on his heart that he wanted to share. And and when people would come to, to Pastor Ed or myself, I listen for, God, is that fitting with what you're doing? And, and you know, you're going to see in a minute that Chris had no idea what I'm preaching on this morning, but that really does fit. That if you're here this morning and you're dealing with something in your life, that God really does want to, to take that burden from you. And we're going to have a time at the end of the service to do that. So just know that that he's orchestrating and he's working puzzle pieces because of his love for you, because of his love for me, that he doesn't want us to walk in and walk out the same way. He wants us to encounter him this morning. So this morning I want to talk about how do, we, how do we respond when life changes, right? We're seeing a lot of change go on in the world. I, I don't know about you, I do watch the news, the, the world news at night, and I'm, I'm seeing what's going on in Ukraine, and my heart's breaking Because I can't imagine if that were my home that I was living in and and I was displaced. Like, you know, we all have jobs. We get up, we go to our jobs, we've got meetings. Maybe you're planning events, you've got weddings, you've got different, you know, life events happening, birthday parties. It all comes crashing to a stop when your country gets attacked, you know. And and I don't even know what it's like to have life turned up that much, uh, that, you know, turned upside down. The world is going to have to figure out what do we do with millions of refugees that their home is no longer. Like, what what do they do? Um, But even the people of Russia, they've lived with a difficult economy, but now they've seen their currency go from worth something to practically worth nothing. They've seen all these countries, international countries, pull out, and and they're not told anything other than there's a special operation because it's propaganda, right? They 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 don't know the truth unless they watch that newscaster. Did you see that? You know there was a newscaster and there was a producer that came behind the newscaster in Russian saying, you know, stop the war. They're lying to you. Don't believe what they're saying. Um, but what about you and I? As as much as we see what's happening in Ukraine, like we all have our stuff, don't we? Our heart breaks for them, but yet it's, it's hard not to feel the pinch ourselves with, with whatever. So how do we respond to life's changes when gas prices go crazy and your food bill is now double and your 401k is a 301k, you know, and, and whatever else, right? And, and maybe you feel like this guy at times. Me calling God to tell him that these weapons are down here and they're trying to prosper again, right? So if you know God's word in Isaiah 54... It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is God's word to his people. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. So if we were here this morning, and all of a sudden, let me see where it is up here. Uh, There's a fire alarm somewhere. I don't know where the strobe is, but... You know, wherever the fire alarm strobes are, if they all of a sudden started going and said, warning, warning, like there's a fire, you need to exit the building. How many of you would exit the building? Would you heed the warning? I I think I would heed the warning. I don't know about you. I'd be be leading the charge. Like, let's get out of here. I don't want to die in a fire. So it's important for us to heed warnings. And in 1 Corinthians 10, we find this. Paul tells the Corinthians, hey, what was said to us in the Old Testament was a warning for us. 
It was a warning that we would read what God's word said and and the the events of the Israelites and what they went through that we would learn from from what they went through. So as we spend time this morning, we're going to be reading in Exodus 15. We're just going to be reviewing briefly a story that God, how God delivered his Israelite people from from the hand of, of their captors. Right, So we know the story of Joseph. Joseph was the youngest of, of so many sons. God led him into Egypt. It was a, a horrible uh, transition from, from him going from being a free man to then being captive, being put in prison. But God had a plan. God had a purpose for him that he was going to save not only Egypt, he was going to save Israel. And they entered into the seven years of famine and then the seven years of plenty. All of Israel, or seven years of plenty, seven years of famine rather, all of Israel came to Egypt to be saved. And because of Joseph, they had enough food for all of, all of Israel. But the day came when Joseph passed away. And then, you know, Joseph, his, his brothers and sisters, they passed away. And, and then as years went by, the Egyptians are like, who are all these Israelites among us? Before they take over, we've got to make them slaves. And, and Israel entered 400 years of slavery to Egypt. So Israel finally starts to, to come before the Lord. They start to pray and ask God, would you, would you lead us out of Egypt? And God calls a man named Moses. He was an unlikely man to be chosen. Moses kept trying to find every reason why God shouldn't use him. He's like, God, I can't talk. God, I don't know what to say. God, they won't listen to me. And, and he comes up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And finally, God's like, okay, enough. I'll let your brother Aaron do the talking. But Moses, you're going to be the one that the people are going to look to. You're going to lead my people out of Israel. And in an amazing event in Exodus, we see that God goes through 10 plagues for Pharaoh to finally break Pharaoh's heart. The last plague is there for all the firstborn sons of every Egyptian is killed. Like that's horrific. But it took getting to that point for Pharaoh to say, okay, go. And now the Israelites, they're, they're let out, right? Where does God lead them? He leads them with a pillar of cloud by day, with a pillar of fire at night, but he doesn't lead them straight to the promised land. He, lead them, he leads them to the riverbanks of the Red Sea. Like, God, where are we going to go? Like, there's a sea on one side and, and just land on the other. And, and then Pharaoh sends his entire army to come after them. And the Israelites cry out, like, what did you bring us out here to, to have us all slaughtered, Moses? Why are we here? And Moses cries out to God and God goes, just wait. Just wait. Now, how many of us like waiting? Do you like waiting? No, we don't like waiting. We want to see God's deliverance and we want to see it now. But the lesson to be learned is sometimes God takes a little time. He's got to move some puzzle pieces around, right? They might all be there, but he's working. You may not see it, but he's working. So we're going to pick up the story here in Exodus 15, 1 and 2. And it says, And Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I'll sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. He's hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's given us victory. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I'll exalt him. Right? So we've sung about the goodness of the Lord following us, right? And running after us. This is what the goodness of the Lord looks like. It's his deliverance. But did it come the moment that they cried? No, there was 400 years of crying before God answered their prayers. I'm hoping none of us have to wait 400 years for for us to see God's answered prayer. But it goes on in the next, next set of verses here. 
they proclaim, God, with your unfailing love, you lead the people you've redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. When Pharaoh's horses and chariots and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. That is an incredible miracle. Don't we need miracles like that today? I, I, I pray for Ukraine that God would deliver them. I pray that as, Russell, as Russia launches the missiles, they just disappear in the air, right? They never hit their targets. I pray for that. But there's a twist that this story takes in Exodus 15. And, and that's what I want to dig into a little bit more because I think there's something for all of us here. So what's the learning? Let's take some learning as we read 22 to 24. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. And they moved out into the desert of Shur. And they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Anybody ever been in a desert before? Yeah, it's kind of hot, right? It's dry. The dry heat thing, it doesn't feel like heat. No, it's hot. It still, it feels like heat, you know. (laughs) 115, it's hot. Three days, They're not finding any water. Probably they're running out of whatever supply they had of water. They find, they come to an oasis of Mara. The water is too bitter to drink. Oh, what a setback, right? You see the oasis, you're running to it. Like you're probably like, oh my gosh, it's bitter. I can't even drink it. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. And then what do the people do? They said, thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for bringing us through the Red Sea. Lord, we know this is just another setback, but you're going to overcome. They started to praise God with all that they are. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do any of that. What would you and I do? We'd probably be just like them. We'd start complaining. God, what are you doing? Moses, why are we here? Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, (laughs) they just saw 10 plagues. They just saw God open the Red Sea, walk on dry ground, see the the best army in the world demolished through the miraculous hand of God. But bitter water, that's too much for God to do. They can't trust God. They can't hold faith in this situation because now it's personal. Like this is, I'm thirsty, God. It's been three days. And I need a drink of water. God, where are you? So they complain. And Moses cries to the Lord for help. And God, once again, provides a way out. He says, Moses, take this piece of wood, throw it into the water, and it makes the water good to drink. What? What kind of piece of wood is this? Right? Have you ever heard of such a thing? Just taking a piece of wood and throwing it into the water, and all of a sudden, like, poof, it's the magic wood. Whatever happens in that water, it's all of a sudden now it's it's good. So what do you and I do when we get in the middle, when, we're, when we've gone three days waiting? Three days. They, waited, they just waited 400 years to be released from captivity, and now it's just three days. Like, it's too long. But what do you and I do when we go three days? Are we going down that road of complaining, or are we going to hold faith to the fourth day? Are we going to trust God? Are we going to pray? You know, Joyce Meyer says something about when we get into trouble. Her quote is, don't run to the throne, don't run to the phone, run to the throne. Right? And, and so many of us, like, we're really good at calling up our friends. They're like, you're never going to believe what happened. This is the worst day ever. I, I was talking with someone just this past week, and, and they mentioned to this, this to me. You know, they came to meet with me. They were having a tough time. And as they're leaving, they see this big 
you know, metal spike in their tire. And, uh, and they got a flat tire. And they're like, oh, this day couldn't get any worse. And I'm like, yeah, but think about this and think about this and think about how God came. Like sometimes we just want to focus on the negative instead of see God's hand that, okay, he can provide a way out. You know, and the, and the good news is that she had bought her tire at Firestone. She had gotten the protection that I never get, you know, when you buy the tire. And, and they gave her a whole new tire for free. She had AAA so she could get towed there. Like it's like it was the best of the worst of circumstances. But God delivered her in the middle of it all. Through her complaining and me trying to say, no, let's, let's thank God right now. Let's, let's give him praise. So do we run to the phone or do we run to who he is? So there's a time and a place for us to run to the throne. And I want to talk a little bit more about how do we approach the throne. Because lately over the past number of months, God's just been bringing a, different, a lot of different sources into my life that my prayer life is growing. And I want to teach you some things that maybe you've heard before. Maybe you're practicing. Maybe you're not practicing. But there, God's word instructs us about prayer and he tells us how to pray. And I want us to understand, okay, when, when you're in the middle of the battle, when you're in the middle of the fight, when life is coming hard about you, how do you respond in a, in a biblical way? So this is what we find in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Divine power. They're not, they're not earthly weapons. They're divine. And they can demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. So 2 Corinthians 10 is giving us a clue here that we're in a war, right? Everybody recognize that we're in a, in a spiritual war, right? How long do you think it took Ukraine to figure out that they were in a war? It's probably the first, you know, bullet passing somebody's head or the first bomb that exploded. But it's like, hey, guys, this is real. Like, we've been talking. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, it's real. We're in a war. But I think sometimes as believers... We don't understand, you know, because it's a spiritual thing. We don't sense the bullet passing us or the, we, we look at things like they're natural cause and effect when no, it's actually a, it's a spiritual cause and effect. I can't fight it in the natural. I can't try harder or, or be bailed out by my MasterCard or Visa. I need to go to the Lord in prayer in situations and say, God, you've got victory for me, but it's a spiritual victory that then happens. It's like, Lord, let your will be done where? In heaven as on earth, right? So when we pray, there's things that happen in the heavenlies first for then it to happen here on earth. And that's what, that's what happens in prayer and, and spiritual warfare. So we find this in Ephesians 6. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor, full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, then it goes on and says, stand firm. So this is what the people of Israel were missing in the three days. Right? They, they were missing the fact that when you've done everything to stand, don't start complaining then. No, continue to stand then. And that's the lesson that I think God wants us to see. But would you notice with me for a minute, 
that what does it say twice in these series of verses? It says, put on the full armor of God. So why would the author be so specific about put on the full armor, not just, hey, make sure you put on your armor. Like when you're going in a battle, don't, don't forget your armor. Put on your armor. No, but he makes it a point. Put on the full armor of God. Why? There's got to be a reason. Maybe because some of us think, like, I can have the armor on top, my pajama bottoms on the bottom, and I'm good. Like, no, it's not going to work. You need the full armor of God. You need all of the armor. And why? It's not just that we're struggling against principalities and powers, but, but we need the full armor because God's called us to stand firm against what? The devil's schemes. Did you know that the devil has a scheme for you? Right? It's, it's a tactic. It's a plan. It's a whole series of deceptions and lies that he's, he's throwing up on each one of us. And we're covered and coated sometimes with, this, with these lies that we don't even recognize them as lies anymore. Like we're, we're getting used to the smell of his vomit on us. And, and I'm saying it in, in, that, in those kind of terms because I want you to see and I want you to be disgusted by how the enemy comes with his schemes and his tactics and he's coming for you. And he's coming for me. Like, that's his plan, to rob, to kill, destroy. That's what the word of God says. And that's why God gives us the full armor, that we would be protected. But some of us, we're not wearing the armor. We're not aware that we need to put on the armor and go into prayer on a daily basis. This is how you survive. This is how you come out of captivity, go three days, and continue to praise the Lord instead of complain. So, so God tells us, hey, I want you to put on my armor. And then he tells us what the armor is. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, it's, it's amazing as God gives us all of these things, they're all forward-facing elements, right? There's nothing covering your back. There's nothing covering the back of your knees or, the, or, or your back. It's, it's all covering your forward because we're, we're to face the enemy. We don't have to fight. God's the one that fights the battle for us. But we do have to be protected. We do have to put our armor on. We do have to do one more thing. We have to go into prayer because after we've put on all the armor, it then says, and now pray in the spirit on all occasions. That's rejoicing when God answers your prayer. That's praying when the water's bitter, right? You pray in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, you know what? I've started to change how I pray. I don't pray now anymore without remembering Ephesians 6 and remembering 2 Corinthians 10 and, th- and thanking God, God, you've given me weapons that are mighty. They're spiritual weapons. And Lord, I'm going to put on my armor. And as I go to prayer, God, I'm believing and I'm trusting that something's changing in the heavenlies because there's something that has to break sometimes in the heavenlies before it's going to happen here on earth. And, and sometimes I feel like we beat our head against the flat tire or the this or the that. And, and we don't recognize that God, is, God doesn't care about your flat tire. He cares about your heart. 
He cares about the growth that you have in your spirit because he's looking at this as, as life on earth and life in eternity. And we're just looking at it as our slice of life on earth and that's it. But when we see the bigger picture that like life goes on beyond this earth and we're going on for eternity, he's preparing us for a purpose. He allows us to go through things to strengthen us that we would grow, grow in him. So now I want to ask, okay, are you wearing your pajamas or are you wearing armor? Do you got armor on the top and pajamas on the bottom or you got armor all over, right? But, but when we look at the armor, I want to just give you a tip on how to put on the armor of God. When we, when we talk about the belt of truth, John 14 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. So when I put on the belt of truth, I'm putting on Jesus. When he says, pick up the breastplate of righteousness, right? We know in the word it says, hey, there's none righteous here on the earth. No, not one, right? It's not my righteousness. Second Corinthians says that God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right to God through, through Christ. So it's his righteousness that we take up as our breastplate. It's not our own righteousness. We're not righteous. We need Jesus. Are the shoes fit with the ready, readiness for the gospel of peace, right? Jesus is the one that said, peace I give you, peace I leave to you. That's Jesus. He's the one that's our peace, what we walk with, what we cover our steps, God, would you show me and would you lead me in your path? Jesus, I need you to cover my feet. It's Jesus that we put on. The shield of faith. I used to think it's my faith, right? But, but who's the author and finisher of our faith? Hebrews tells us it's Jesus. So when we take the shield of faith to quench every fiery dart, it's not our own faith because we're nothing, right? We're putting our faith in him and we're saying, Jesus, I'm gonna take you up as my shield. The helmet of salvation the word tells us there's no other name but the name of Jesus by which men might be saved. So we put on Jesus as we, we, we put him on as our helmet. That when the enemy comes with his lies and, 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 and tries to, to vomit on top of us, we've got Jesus covering us. And lastly, he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. So we're taking up Jesus. So this is, this is my way as I pray now. I remember it's easy because I'm just putting on Jesus. I don't, if I forget that it's the truth and the gospel of peace and, and all these different parts, like now I've prayed it so, so much I remember them all. But if you forget which one is which, is it the breastplate of, of truth or is it righteousness? No, it's Jesus. That's all you got to remember. I got to put Jesus on all over me, right? And as you pray, put on Jesus, because he has come and he's given us weapons for the war that we're in. So when life changes, are we looking up, right? We find in Luke, it talks about the end of the age. And I'm not saying that we're in the end of the age now, but I do see us getting closer, right? Wars, rumors of wars, we're seeing it happen. We're, we're closer to World War III than we've ever been. I don't believe we're going to be in one right now because I see in the word of God that revival precedes the end of the age. And I'm waiting for that revival. I'm praying for that revival, but it does say this, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption's drawing near. You know, last Saturday, it was a really difficult day. I did a funeral for a mom that had passed away of an overdose. And she left a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a, and a 15-year-old. 
And it was just so tragic and so hard to, to eulogize her. She was a friend. I'd seen her come out of addiction, and she just relapsed tragically. And, you know, as I was talking about grief, it, it kind of fits here. Sometimes grief is like that boulder in front of us that we can't see around no matter how hard we, we try. It's so tall we can't see over it, and, like, our path is blocked. All we see is our grief, and sometimes all we see is our trouble. The woman I, I, I worked with on Friday, she could only see the flat tire. She couldn't see to praise God for anything else. And you see, God's perspective is he's above. He looks down. He can see the, the boulder blocking your path. But he sees around that boulder. He sees the ridge. He sees the next valley. He sees, the next, he sees it all from beginning to end for our lives. And if we want to see God Instead of looking ahead at the boulder of whatever you're facing, we have to look up. That's the only way. And, and what I explained to the people here that we're grieving was if we want to find God's grace and comfort, and his word says that he is only the one that can comfort us. He's the God of all comfort. We're not going to find it by looking out. We're only going to find it by looking up. We have to turn to him. So today I want us to have a chance that we can turn to the Lord, whatever we're facing, and we can let go of those burdens But we can pray and we can pray effectively as God has instructed us to pray to recognize that we are in a battle. We do have an enemy that's vomiting all over us, if I can use that term, and it smells. But you want to get rid of the smell, put on the armor. Keep your armor on. You won't... Shadrach, Meshach, and and Abednego, they went into the fire and what did they come out smelling like? They weren't smelling like smoke. You won't smell like vomit if you've got God's armor on, right? So what does it say? I love this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 because I call it a prayer sandwich. Anybody like a peanut butter sandwich, right? But a peanut butter sandwich wouldn't be the same as if you just had the peanut butter. You need the bread. Otherwise, it's not a sandwich, right? It says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is what? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God would have us come. He'd have us come and rejoice in who he is, he'd have us pray, and then he'd have us give him thanks, right? It's a sandwich. So what are you facing today? You know, I hear a lot about, you know what, man, life is so overwhelming. I'm just overwhelmed, or man, it's so busy, or it's so crazy. How many of you have said that in the past week? You're overwhelmed, it's crazy, it's busy, you're tired, right? We're all feeling it. But you know what? I recognize this in myself. When I feel like I'm burning out, It's Greg that's burning out because God doesn't ever burn out, does he? He doesn't burn out. Yeah, thank God that he doesn't burn out. So if I'm fighting in my own strength, I'm probably going to burn out. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's my clue that if the words of my mouth are talking about how overwhelmed I are, how tired I are, how, how, how crushing this is, I'm trying to carry it. I'm trying to do it on my own. God, I need to, this isn't my burden to carry, Lord. All the weights that I see of all these situations around me, they're not mine to carry. God, I've got to give them to you. I've got to come into your presence with thanksgiving and praise. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to thank you again. I'm going to do the prayer sandwich. But as I come, I'm going to come with my armor, because that's how you instructed me to, Lord. It's, it's not a gimmick. It's, it's the word of God. But then we need to recognize who the real enemy is, right? It's not the flat tire that's your enemy. Sometimes, you know, the enemy may come in and say, you know what, wouldn't life be better if you didn't have to argue with your spouse? Like, isn't the grass greener, uh, you know, if you find someone else? Like, no, that's just his vomit. Don't, don't listen to the lies of the enemy, 
right? Or, or he says, well, if, if you'd only do this or do that, if it's not pointing you to Jesus, it's the enemy. If it's not encouraging you and lifting you up, it's the enemy, right? Because he comes with strategies and tactics because he knows, he knows where you're weak, and he's going to press right where you're weak. He's going to design arguments to happen in your household because he knows what's going to make you fall off and take your eyes out off of Jesus. But don't let him do it because God has given you everything you need to be strong in the power of his might. So let's recognize who the real enemy is and let's pray effective prayers. Let's pray the word of God. So worship team, I want to invite you to come back up. I want to go back into that song that we started to sing that... Um, he's the way maker, miracle worker. And you know, if you're facing a situation in your life today where you need a miracle or you're struggling with, you know what, I'm just feeling overwhelmed in life. I want to invite you as we're singing this song, we're all going to stand. Would you stand with me now? But if, if you want to get on your knees and fight the battle before the Lord on your knees, I'm inviting you to come up front. Just one song. That's all you got to kneel for. But like, let it be a moment between you and God where you say, God, I'm going to give you thanks. God, I'm going to put on my armor. And Lord, I'm going to thank you again. So let's go into this song. If you want to come forward and and do business with God, you're welcome to. And as we, we finish the song, I'm going to close us out in prayer. Thank you, Jesus.
I thank you, Lord, that you have given us weapons that are not of this earth, Lord. They're divine for the pulling down of strongholds, God. And Lord Jesus, we want to put you on as our belt of truth this morning. God, we we take you up, Lord Jesus, as our breastplate of righteousness. Jesus, would you cover our feet this morning? We need you to guide us that we would walk in your way and your paths. Lord Jesus, we put you on as our helmet of salvation this morning. God, cover our heads. Father God, Lord, we take you up, Jesus, as our breastplate of righteousness. Jesus, I thank you that there's none righteous but you. And when you died on the cross, you made access for us. So, Lord, we put you on as our righteousness. Father God, I, we take up the shield of faith. Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. We take you up to quench every fiery dart that the enemy would, would send against us. Lord, we take you up, Jesus, as our shield. And Lord, lastly, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus, you're the word made flesh. We take you up. And now we go, we go into prayer, God, Lord, for each situation that we're all facing, God. I thank you, Lord, that there is a time, Father, the three days, Lord, you provided a piece of wood. And God, we ask you for that wood to turn the bitter water sweet now. In the name of Jesus, God, we're not going to complain, but God, we're going to pray in faith, believing, God, that you're going to move our circumstances, that you're going to pull down the strongholds, God, that you're going to take the things in our life, Lord, and, and grow us, Lord, that we can overcome them and see you, Lord, in the midst of whatever we're walking through. So God, we give you praise for what we're walking through today, God. I thank you that you have the victory. And Lord, we pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven in our lives, Lord God. Lead us and guide us by your spirit because we praise you for who you are and we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Even when I don't see it so working, even when I don't feel it so working, never stop, never stop working, never stop. Never stop working Even when I don't see it's your working Even when I don't feel it's your working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it's your working Even when I don't feel it's your working You never stop, you never stop
Would you take some time to come into God's presence with praise? Would you bring your prayers, your needs before him, putting on your armor and praying as God has instructed us to pray? And then would you end thanking God? You know, when that spirit of complaining comes, when that deceptive lie hits your ear, you're protected. You've got the armor of God on you. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that we could walk as you've instructed us to walk, that we could pray as you've instructed us to pray. Lord, I thank you for each one here and I pray your blessing upon your people now, pressed down, shaken together and running over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week.